Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. We had a great first year of the podcast, but none of it would have been possible without you and your support. I love getting messages, emails, and comments from type 1 diabetics all over the world. It really makes my day. So keep sharing, searching, and commenting, and I'll keep tracking down the people behind the amazing type 1 stories out there. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, more content in 2017 is headed your way. Uh, today I'm with Georgia Thompson from the UK, uh, a type 1 diabetic and fitness coach. Welcome, Georgia. Hi. Hi. Good to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have uh, you know more uh, UK uh, type 1s on our show. Uh, we've had uh, a global reach so far. We've done interviews uh, in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, uh, and all over the U.S., so uh, really happy that we can continue to uh, have global uh, perspective on everything. Right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, so I'm 26. I was diagnosed when I was nine. Um, I, at the moment, I currently run a letting agency, um, and I'm in the process of setting up my own um, business for diabetics uh, with a friend. Um, I'm a farmer's daughter originally, um, so grew up grew up with horses and sheep and cows and things, um, and um, yeah, been into been into fitness for about ten years now, um, and it's just it's just basically changed the way that I manage my diabetes really. So I'm just kind of wanting to to carry that on and and pass it on to other people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, exercise and fitness is a, is so key and integral to uh, you know maintaining uh, healthy blood sugars and also you know just being active and healthy. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, when you were diagnosed. You said you were diagnosed when you were nine, uh, and yeah. that you were that you lived on a farm. So uh, talk about maybe the the things that were unique to you know being a little bit away from the city and um, in that sort of uh, rural environment as a diagnosis. Um, so I guess really it meant, I mean, I can't comment on, on how kids dealt with it in the city, but I think that being on the farm and things, I probably had, I had quite a lot of hypos at the beginning, um, when I, you know, just trying to figure things out. Um, one hypo I had, I remember I just completely blacked out and I was actually, um, riding my pony at the time. <laughs> it wasn't an ideal situation. It wasn't good. <laughs> I think that may be the first. Uh, that may be a first on the show is having a, a super low hypo, low blood sugar uh, while riding a pony. That's certainly the first yeah. one that I've heard. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, but I, I don't. I to be honest, I don't really think um, living on a farm made it any any more difficult or any easier when it comes to dealing with the diagnosis. Um, to be honest, I've, I've kind of always had the attitude that you just got to get on with things. So that was how I dealt with it. Um, you know, at nine, you don't really know, you can't really conceptualize it, can you? Um, so, you know, I just did it. Um, and that's, uh, that's a big uh, thing that I notice a lot when I talk to people, especially who were diagnosed at a young age, is it sort of forces you to grow up really quickly. 
um, and you sort of think about life like an adult at a very young age and like you said just sort of get on with it and, and make uh, you know realize that oh I have to do these things now just to have uh, you know the normal life that I maybe took for granted before which um, is really strong and I think uh, you know I, I talked to a panel of uh, or sat on a panel for teen diabetics last year at a okay. JDRF event and I was so surprised that these young uh, you know 12 13 year olds who sounded like full-grown adults and were very mature and like uh, how they approached their every day and planning out their meals and exercise and, you know, talking to their parents about hypos and, and high blood sugars. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting. I was diagnosed when I was 16, so I was a little bit older. Um, yeah. but you know, I'm just, I just, uh, I'm continually surprised and always look up to those young kids who make those big grown up decisions right from day one. Yeah. So, um, I think like, I don't, I don't remember not having diabetes. Um, and I personally, when somebody says to me, um, like, for example, you were di- like you said, you were diagnosed when you were 16. I actually consider myself very lucky to have been diagnosed when I was young because I can't imagine being a teenager and having to completely change my lifestyle to fit in diabetes when you're already going through such a difficult time um, growing up and, you know, figuring out who you are and stuff like that. Um, so I'm actually quite grateful that I was diagnosed when I was young and that I don't remember a different way of living other than with diabetes. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I think it is a challenge. Um, you know, there's, like you said, there's so many other changes going on and, you know, at, it's, it's hard to find the balance, right? Because on one, on one hand, your childhood sort of, uh, gets taken away a little bit from you, but, uh, then by that time you're stable and you understand what you have to do by the time you're starting to go through your, you know, puberty changes and as you're sort of becoming an adult, which um, always have some sort of, you know, interesting and high stress scenarios sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I can I can remember um, actually the night I was I went into hospital and the night I was diagnosed, I was actually meant to go on a school trip to France um, the following day. And obviously I didn't go. Um, but I can remember sitting in the hospital and um, my nurse, the nurse said to me, oh, don't worry, in a, in a few weeks you'll be an expert on this. And I just thought, oh, no way. There's no way I'm going to know what I'm doing. Or, you know, I, I injected right from the start. Um, I, I, apparently I said to my dad, I've seen you inject the cows, dad. I'm not letting you inject me. <laughs> <laughs> it had, a little bit of trust had to be built up there. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. I did I did just just deal with it from the start. Obviously, my parents, you know, being nine, had had a lot of influence on it. Um, but you know, it's it's funny because when I when I got to sort of I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, maybe, um, I just started resenting my diabetes. I absolutely hated the fact I had it. I did everything I could to pretend that I didn't have it. Um, I mean, I, I remember going weeks without doing my blood sugar and, and my diary would just be completely made up, you know, and I'd go to the hospital and they say, well, your diary doesn't match your HbA1c, George, what's going on? And I'm just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, just doing anything I could to to pretend I didn't have it. Um, you know, that, that does eventually catch up with you. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, you, you go through rough patches with it and um, I think that's 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 why so I, 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 
I'll openly admit that I've probably only come to terms with my diabetes in the last two, three years. Um, and now I fully embrace it and actually have have made an effort to learn everything I can about it, learn everything I can about how training affects diabetes, what's the best way to go about managing it, things like that. Um, and now I live, I live a very normal, healthy life. Um, I broke my hip five months ago so that hasn't been brilliant but apart from that I'm <laughs> oh no um I want to I talk about um first of all uh how did you break your hip that sounds super painful and, and uh, I'm very sorry to hear that <laughs> oh I was on a fitness holiday in Spain and uh I fell off some monkey bars Ouch. and it, yeah it fractured um but I got up and carried, we were doing an assault course, I got up and carried on and then it broke a week later. Um, so, so yeah, my fitness has kind of been on the back burner for, for about five months, but I'm just getting back in the gym um, now lifting weights again. So it's, it's on the mend, the physio's going well. Good, well glad to hear that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I do want to talk about, for a minute you said uh, you really only come to terms with accepting your diabetes and, um, you know, being comfortable talking about it in the last two years or so, uh, what changed for you? What, uh, what made that, uh, you know, propelled that shift? Um, I think that, so I, when I went to uni, um, when I was, well, actually, no, it started before then, but I went traveling after I did my A-levels. So when I was 18, um, came, I mean, that was, um, a massive achievement for me with diabetes. I went away to South America for three months. Um, but when I came home, I'd put on a lot of weight and um, just was really miserable with myself and eventually started um, skipping my insulin. So I suffered with diabolemia for about six, seven months. Um, and then went to uni and it kind of just continued. And within the space of sort of two, three years, I'd just become this very unwell um, person who found everything, even just daily activities, very difficult. And I guess it just came down to really me having a good chat with myself and saying, look, something something needs to change, that like you, can't, you can't carry on like this. Um, and that was it. That was it, really. Um, there were some some points during well when i when i eventually told my parents about the fact i've been skipping my insulin um the the mum took me to the doctors and the doctor said look i'm surprised your daughter's still alive and i think that re you know when you hear that if that doesn't give you the kick up they ask you need to sort your life out then i don't know <laughs> i don't know what will well, and I, and I think that's that's a difficult conversation to have, right? Uh, to, you know, to tell your parents and, and say, hey, you know, I really haven't been taking care of myself, um, but now, um, you know, I'm really ready to do so. Um, how did they respond? What, what was their reaction? Um, first of all, anger. Um, they couldn't believe that I'd been so stupid. And, you know, realistically, I couldn't believe I'd been so stupid either. But then I think that... Um, you know, once once they'd gotten over the anger, they were just incredibly worried and wanted to do everything they could to make me well again. Um, and you know, I would I wouldn't have been able to 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 overcome it without without the help of my family. And and actually, I didn't tell my mum and dad directly. I actually told my sister. Um, and bless her, she 
I said, I, I remember, I will never forget, I'll never forgive myself because I said, I told my sister what was happening and I said to her, don't tell mum and dad. And I, I cannot believe I ever said that to her. And bless her, to her credit, she told, she was living about an hour and a half away from me at the time and she told her employer um, and he told my mum and dad. Um, yeah, so it, it was, it was difficult. It was really difficult. And I told, you know, it all came out the one week, I went to see the doctor that night, said that things were going to change. And a week later, I was still doing, I was still doing it. It was, it had gotten to a point where I felt or in my head, I was injecting fat. I wasn't injecting insulin. I was just injecting fat. Um, so the psychological aspect of it took, it took a, a massive amount of, of effort and perseverance I guess to to get it right in my head again um but yeah I got there eventually <laughs> yeah and I think that that's something that we don't talk enough about um in terms of uh, of diabetes being a lifelong journey right so it's not it's not one day it's not one test it's not one injection it's every day over a long period of time I mean, even like uh, like you said, hemoglobin A1C is a three-month average, and that's you know the small snapshot. So, you know, you look at it as a as a sort of very big perspective, and um, you know how every day influences that, and like the habits that you build, obviously, you know, play into a part of that. Um, Massively, I think that um, you know you can't you can't take a day off from managing your diabetes. Um, but I think that I think that the, the best way to go about it is if you just form habits and eventually it becomes a routine and then you don't really notice. Um, like if you said to me now, how does diabetes impact your everyday life? And I'd really have to think about how it does because testing my blood sugar and factoring in what carbs I'm eating, what I'm doing in the next two hours, whether I'm going to go and train or not, or whether... Um, you know, I can afford to to not give myself some insulin because I'm going to go and do something energetic. You know, stuff like that. It's just it's just normal for me now, and I think that that comes just with a bit of consistency um, and and willpower. But you know, it's it, it is worth it is worth the effort. It's your health at the end of the day. It is right, and uh, if you don't have that, you know, the the saying goes, you know, what do you have, right? Um, so you talked about habits. Um, so you're at that moment. You go. Uh, you your parents now have found out. You go to the doctor, uh, and like you said, a week later, you were still sort of in the same uh, in the same place. What habits did you start to to take on uh, that took you from that from where you were at that place to where you are today as you know Georgia the fit diabetic? Um. So to start with, it was just small steps. Um. I mean, even as small as just testing my blood sugar. Um. I hadn't tested my blood sugar probably for about, I don't know, five, six months. Um, so just doing that was a massive step for me. Um, but with something like that, the it's because it's so overwhelming, you have to start small. It's like with any with getting over anything, isn't it? Um, you you take small baby steps and eventually it, it leads into the bigger picture of, of recovering from whatever you've been through. Um, but, but yeah, in... So started off small, and then eventually um, it was just making healthy choices in terms of what I was eating, um, going to the gym, um, and I think that the the key to it all was just consistency. 
Um, so consistently checking my blood sugar, consistently taking my insulin. Um, but you you need the support around you to do that. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward recovery. It was ups and downs. But I think that um, I'm the kind of person that when I've got something in my head and I want to do it, it's it's 100%, 110% or, or nothing at all. Um, and so once I had my head focused on, on getting better and, and actually um, doing something with my life, that, that was it. Um, that's what I was going to do. So... And, and now that's sort of led you down the path where that's brought you to today. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing today for, um, you know, as, as the fit diabetic, uh, uh, which you guys can follow her on Instagram at the fit diabetic. Um, talk about, you know, the, the journey of, uh, educating type one diabetics on, on fitness, because the question that I get a lot or I hear a lot, um, you know, in community discussions is that exercise is the most challenging part of managing their day-to-day diabetes because their blood sugars vary, uh, their energy levels go up and down. And, uh, you know, like you said, they find it hard to maintain those baby steps going forward and, uh, finding that they put a lot of work in and maybe don't see the results immediately. Um, talk about, uh, the conversations that you have with other diabetics and kind of what you're doing to uh, help them out. Okay. So, um, I think that when it, yeah, it is difficult to, to manage your, your sugars around exercise. Of course it is. But uh, what I find is that so much of, of managing, diabe- you're managing your diabetes is unfortunately a lot of trial and error. You've just got to do something. And if it doesn't work, you know it doesn't work. And then you do something different the next time. Um, and eventually you get to know your body you get to know what works best for you um like and it changes so i i used to um i've been on an insulin pump now for four and a half years and i used to put a temporary basil on to go and train um and that worked two years ago but it doesn't work anymore i I go too high so now i just leave a normal basil on but that's just something that that you evolve with as as you go forward um and so the, I think that a lot of the conversations I've had with people about training with diabetes is that they're scared of training or they're scared of doing anything physical in case they have a hypo um, and or they find it difficult to lose weight um, with diabetes. And, you know, I've, I've been there. I, I, I know that it's that it's it's tricky. Um, but I think that the answer is actually quite simple if you if your if your diet is is on point um and you you're moving a little bit every day then then you you'll you'll lose weight um you've just got to like i said keep consistent with checking your blood sugars make sure make sure your blood sugars are what they're meant to be so you're not taking on a lot of insulin to to correct your blood sugars and bring it down to a normal level um you know if if you can handle low lo, a lower carb diet and a higher fat diet as a diabetic then go for it equally if that gives you hypos which i tend to find does as i get into so i've only been back training for about four or five weeks now but from my experience last year when i when i was um back fully training properly 
um, was that after sort of seven, 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 eight weeks, um, I was having way more hypos on a low carb diet. And so I just had to change it. I just had to up my carbs. Um, it's a lot of it is, is experience, but a lot of it is just listening to your body and just going with it. And you can't expect results overnight. You've got to stay consistent with it. I know I keep saying the word consistent, but it is it is the key to so many things. Um, and yeah, you've just got to you've just got to be patient and trust the process and learn as you go um, and not be afraid. I know that. You know, that like I used to love skiing and I stopped skiing for a long time because I was terrified of having a hypo on the slopes. But you can be prepared for that. Um, and, you know, you, diabetes does give you signs that something is happening um, and you can you can react to it. So it, it's yeah, so it is a little bit of bravery, but um, just stick with it. Well, and I, and I think so much of first of all continue to say consistency as much as you want because that is it's the key to like you said so many things and i think that as a culture we um you know we're so used to uh instant gratification because we have everything at our fingertips and you know the reality is that difficult things take time and consistency and we don't give ourselves enough props for incremental progress you know just for just for moving just an inch forward yeah exactly and i think um, with diabetes specifically, you know, so often, it, like you said, either whether you're going skiing or you're going to the gym, it's often just one extra step that you have to take to get ready. And just even if it's just spending five minutes thinking about, okay, well, the last few times I went, this is what happened, or giving an extra test or putting an extra, putting a Gatorade or something in your gym bag yeah. so that you can treat a hypo, whatever the case may be. Um, exactly. I so, mean, I, I used to. I used to um, test halfway through my workout so I could figure out what my sugars were doing during my session. Um, and yeah, it means that you have to stop halfway through and take five minutes out. But what's five minutes? You know, it's it. That's just something I needed to do to to gain a better understanding of what my sugars were doing and how to best um, deal. You know, deal with them. Well, and I, and I think it's something that uh, a lot of diabetics maybe are afraid to ask and they don't know who to turn to um, for those types of uh, questions because your average personal trainer at a local gym may not be familiar with how, uh, how, to, how to train a type 1 diabetic person or how to help them prepare for a session. Um, just, just real quick, get, what are your, give us like three, you know, th- three things from, from Georgia, the fit diabetic that you would recommend for a type one who maybe is starting their fitness journey or, um, you know, is learning a little bit more about, uh, how their body responds to working out. Um, so I would say to start with, take it slow. Don't, don't jump in at the deep end. Um, if you were a non-diabetic and just starting off on a fitness journey then yeah great you can because your your body regulates itself but as a diabetic you can't um so so take it slow um start off with maybe just doing half an hour of you know of exercise for the first month um and see how you go from there um i would also say that um diet is is massively important if you're if you're starting off in fitness um, whether it's to gain muscle whether it's to lose fat whether it's to maintain whatever you're doing um, you need to get your diet right and with diet 
and clean eating. I'm, I'm a big believer in clean eating. I don't really eat that much processed foods, um, unless it's a protein bar. <laughs> um, comes better sugar control because, you, you know, they just go hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely suggest that, that you look at your diet first and foremost. Um, and, you know, like I said before, don't expect miracles overnight. Um, you are going to fail, but, you know, you've just got to get up and, and try again, try something new um, and keep going because the results will be worth it. And I think that, like, I always feel quite um, sad, I think is the right word. I'm not sure if sad's the right word, but um, when when I hear diabetics saying to me, oh, I don't do this because of my diabetes, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it makes me want to say, no, that, that's, not, that's not true. You can do it. You can do it. Um, and that's kind of what I want to to kind of relay to people is that as a diabetic you can do whatever you want to do you can be whatever you want to be just because you have diabetes doesn't put a restriction on your life um yeah it makes it maybe a tiny bit more difficult but you know I, w <laughs> I went trekking in the Patagonia National Park for 10 days and they had to helicopter in um glucose tablets for me because I was having so many hypos um and I'd just run out of sugar I didn't have anything left um, and that was, you know, that was challenging. But if you have um, the willpower, I guess, and the 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 commitment to do it, then you can. Um, diabetes doesn't have to hold you back. You can do it. A hundred percent agree. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big part of what we're trying to do with diabetics doing things is just to tell those stories and. Um, you know, somebody, somebody may hear that and it may resonate with them for the first time. So, um, you know, really glad and really powerful words there. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and ask some, uh, some just quick questions for you and, uh, and just kind of do some rapid fire, uh, answers. So, okay. um, you've got your gym bag, right? You're going to the gym. Uh, what are some things that are in your gym bag as a type one diabetic that, uh, that are always there that are a little bit different? Um, glucose tablets. <laughs> Google's tablets are a mess, um, and always my blood testing kit. And also, when I go to the gym, I've also got a spare insulin set change in case, just in case I knock it out or or something. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we've already heard your your uh, hypo story on a pony, and now also in the Patagonia Mountains. Do you have any other uh, crazy hypo or low or high blood sugar stories? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I actually went skiing um, to Canada back in 2009, um, and after a day and a half of skiing, I went into DKA um, and woke up three days later in a hospital in the IU unit in Calgary. Um, I was skiing in Banff, so I'd been ambulanced over to Calgary because they didn't have an intensive care unit in Banff Hospital, um, and I'd, I'd just been in a coma for three days. Um, so that's probably the worst um, high blood sugar I've ever had. I mean, there are t there are times where I've gone a bit loopy and people can't understand what I'm saying or what I'm doing. But yeah, that's definitely the worst high I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose anytime you're uh, you end up in Banff, I guess, or you know, get get taken out of there, that's always a tough uh, a tough scenario. <laughs> 
Um, let, let's talk about um, being a diabetic in terms of, um, you know, how, how is the, the discipline with, you know, testing your blood sugar and giving yourself insulin and, and watching what you eat, counting your carbs. How has that made you better in other areas of your life? Um, <clears throat> in, well, I, I don't really think you can put, um, I don't really think you can measure how, how, how much it has improved every other area of my life because it, it's, I think it all goes hand in hand. I don't think you can say because I'm eating clean and counting my carbs and, and everything, my diabetes is, is under good control. And I don't think you can say the other way around either. It just all comes together. Um, so, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm, but equally I'm not saying that to have good diabetes control, you have to, to diet and 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 go to the gym as much as like I love training I love going to the gym and I quite happily go five six days a week but I I appreciate that I'm that's not really the norm um but equally I think that for somebody who's living with diabetes um just in a normal you know normal day-to-day life then um count counting carbs and and looking at, at what you eat um, is just going to be hugely beneficial. And and you know it sounds it sounds um, like a bit of a hassle or maybe a bit a bit boring having to count your carbs and everything. But that's why you use things like MyFitnessPal. Like it's so easy to use, and it just the carbs are all there for me. I haven't got I haven't really got to count anything. I just input what I'm eating. Um, so yeah, you know just with like with any other person there's little um little things to help you along the way that make it a lot easier definitely and i think uh you know now today especially there's so many resources available um and you know just all we have to do is use them yeah yeah um Um, let's i would uh, also say that sorry i would also say that one of one of my biggest resources and I, i think that um probably people don't use it as much as they should is actually my my doctor my diabetes doctor she's and and my dietitian they're fantastic uh, whenever I've got a problem that I can't really figure out um I'll give them a ring I'll tell them what I've tried and they'll either give me a suggestion over the phone or I'll make an appointment to go and see them and I appreciate it's different in America because obviously I get all of my healthcare for free um but but yeah, I think way to I think way that, to rub it in. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, I think that quite often, um, especially when I had bad control of my diabetes, my doctor was the last person I wanted to see because I thought, oh, you know, I, I haven't done very well and I know what I'm doing wrong. But actually, that was probably the most important time when I should have been knocking on her door and saying, look, I need help. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's a resource that's massively un, underused and underestimated. Um, so yeah, it, it, people should should use the help that they've got out there. All right, last question: um, If you were going to uh, give one piece of advice, or you could say one thing to someone who was um, struggling the way that you sort of struggle with uh, accepting your diabetes, or was recently diagnosed. Uh, what would you tell them? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say be consistent. <laughs> be consistent. <laughs> um, yeah, be consistent with with um, 
testing your blood sugars, be consistent with giving the correct carb doses, correcting your blood sugars if they're too high. Um, and also, I think that you, I mean, there are days when I've just thought, oh, you know, I can't do this anymore. I just, I just can't. Um, and everyone's going to have them. But that's when you need to pull in your resources from your friends and family. I, I mean, I'm very, very lucky that my friends and family are, are incredibly supportive and accepting. And do you know what? They don't necessarily understand the di my diabetes. They don't necessarily understand what I go through on a day-to-day -day basis. But they are there to, to talk to when I need someone to talk to about it. Um, and I think that you do need, especially when you're when you're first diagnosed, you need the support. You can't go. You can't do it on your own. Um, so that that's why I would say you've just you've just got to you've got to develop perseverance and resilience with it um, and you can't really do that without the support of your friends and family um so yeah that's what I would say no thank you and I think uh, you know really powerful words and um, I think I'm, I'm sure hopefully they'll be able to someone will be listening and they'll resonate with them really hard and um, really strong I hope so, I hope so. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today and, and telling your story. Um, it's really great to meet you and, um, you know, finally kind of have a, a real conversation. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online if they uh, have more questions or just want to follow you on your journey? Um, well, firstly, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I'm on um, Instagram, The Fit Diabetic. There's no E in the the because there was already a Fit Diabetic. <laughs> um, but I'm also um, on Facebook or um, uh, Twitter as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Georgia. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.